Welcome to T21 Mom. Hi friends and welcome to the T21 Mom podcast and my name is Mary and I'll be your host and this is episode 94. And on today's episode, I am talking to Brady Murray of Rod's Heroes. What is Rod's Heroes, you ask? Well, it's an amazing organization that helps to find forever homes for children with Down syndrome and other disabilities who are in orphanages. And it's such an amazing, heartwarming, and sometimes a little heartbreaking conversation about the work that they're doing and also the amazing success rate that they're having with finding these kids a home. So let's go have a listen. Today on the T21 Mum podcast, I'm talking with Brady Murray, who is the founder of Rod's Heroes, an amazing and much needed organization that helps children with Down syndrome and other disabilities who are in orphanages find forever homes. Welcome, Brady. Thank you. Great to be here. So I follow you on Instagram and I love what you guys are doing. I think it's really amazing. And I love seeing all the pictures of the kids and hearing their stories. But before we get started, can you tell me a bit about you and your family? Like you already just told me you have six kids in the background. So. Yeah, six kids under the roof right now. We actually have seven total. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, a uh, little bit about me. I actually am an adoptee. And so I was oh. adopted by my stepfather mm -hmm. when I was 13 years old. I was actually born Brady Gomez. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom and my birth father were divorced when I was about two months old. And then my mom met and remarried Reed Murray when I was about four, if I'm not mistaken. And so I still have a wonderful relationship with my birth father. And I have obviously a wonderful relationship with my adoptive father who later adopted me when I was 13 years old. So I have feel like I've been in the adoption space and an adoption advocate and entrusted with life's experiences that have helped me to do the work that I'm doing since I was an infant. So that's a little bit on the initial background. I've been happily married to my soulmate, as I would say, Andrea, for 21 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, we've been blessed with seven children, three of which are adopted. So four biological children, three adopted. Two of those children we adopted through foster care. One we adopted uh, internationally. And to further complicate things, I have a son that has Down syndrome, biological, and a son that has Down syndrome that is adopted. And that's that's been a fun experience. And then just put a cherry on top, we're in the process of adopting four more children from Colombia that are all older children. They're a sibling group of four kids and mm -hmm. we're super excited to embark on that journey. Wow, fantastic. Definitely a full house. And when will your adoption of the four, the four like the children group be finalized? Yeah, we're hoping late summer, early fall. So oh, we're probably halfway through it. Home study's done, everything's submitted. We just have to practice our active patients now. Yes, yes, I, I do hear that often in the adoption world. So, wow, fantastic and congratulations. Like, <laughs> definitely a full house. <laughs> That's yeah, wonderful. We, uh, we are very big advocates in the Down syndrome community and, and uh, love everything there is about Down syndrome. 
And so you adopted three other children. Uh, so one that also has Down syndrome, where did you adopt him from? He was born in China mm -hmm. and his name is Cooper. He's 11 years old. When he was guesstimated to be about six months old, he was found on a street corner in a city of 14 million people in the early morning hours one day. Mm -hmm. And he went to an orphanage where he stayed for the first uh, four years of his life. And then Andrea and I were blessed to adopt him and, and uh, bring him into our family in 2016. So he's been with us now for about six, almost seven years. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, several years ago, I did a little like fundraiser to support the adoption of a, a little girl from China. Kind of similar story. She was found at a bus stop. You know, it just, it kind of breaks my heart to, to hear those stories, but also to know that Cooper has found like, you know, a loving and forever family. Like that's, that's right. amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. So can you tell us what Rods is and what motivated you to start it? Yeah. So when Nash was born, Nash is our oldest son and our oldest child that has Down syndrome. Uh, we didn't find out that Nash had Down syndrome until after he was born. It was just right after he was born. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a very, um, best way I could describe it is a very raw experience. There was a lot of emotion for me mm -hmm. in particular, uh, more so me than Andrea. And it was something that I processed for many months and even years afterwards as it relates to what the meaning and the purpose of this was. What I did know right from the get-go uh, was that I felt like this was right. Mm -hmm. I felt like this happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. And despite the emotions that I was feeling, I felt like this was going to be a very positive thing. Andrea and I wholeheartedly believe in this concept of serving the pain that you know best. And so I remember the, the feelings that I felt in that raw emotion from early diagnosis when Nash was born. And I knew that I wanted to be involved in anything and everything that had to do with Down syndrome, mm -hmm. because I wanted to serve those feelings that I felt. And I knew that others would be feeling that at some point in time as well. And so it was through the involvement in the Down syndrome community that we were introduced to this um, thing that we didn't know about. And that was that oftentimes in developing countries and in many countries when a child is born with down syndrome or a disability like down syndrome they are immediately placed up for adoption or abandoned similar to the circumstance of cooper mm -hmm. and our heart just went out for these kids nash was four at the time and we were seeing images of children that were the same age as nash that were bedridden were crib ridden that were skin and bones and that were not getting that light and that, that life that they'd been entrusted with out to the world. They were not giving that. And we just felt like we wanted to help them. And so it was through that initial inception that we, uh, that initial inspiration that we founded a nonprofit which stands for Racing for Orphans with Down Syndrome. And there's mm -hmm. kind of a fun story on how that name came about, but that was the, that was the start of it. Yes, because I was kind of curious as to, like, who is Rod? Because <laughs> I get asked that a lot. 
<laughs> Rod is my mascot. No. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and Rod, Rod or Rod stands for Racing for Orphans with Down Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And so can you share a little bit about the history of Rod's? How did it start? Yeah. So once we found out about these kids, we had a desire to help them. And I was involved in triathlons at the time. Mm -hmm. Andrea had challenged me. She said, hey, maybe something you could do to raise awareness and funding for these kids is that you could race an Ironman triathlon. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I had never done that, not even close. <laughs> And so I immediately looked at her and I just smiled and I said, why don't you run an Ironman triathlon? Because that was a lot. And so an Ironman triathlon is a 2.4 mile swim, 20 mm -hmm. or a 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. You finish mm -hmm. up with a marathon. And that was a lot to take in, in one day. And so I thought about that for a little while and I felt in my heart that possibly I could I probably knew I couldn't do it for myself, but I felt like I could probably do it for these kids. Mm -hmm. So um, I went for it. And that's the inception of racing for orphans with Down syndrome and other words, frauds. Oh, I love it. Now, I read that when you were, I think it was prior to the actual, before the race, that it kind of sort of took on a life of its own, like some kind of little miracle started happening. Yeah, Can you talk a bit about that? Things. Um, so I first had to start training, which that was a that was a beast to say the least. <laughs> so yes. I was working full time. We had young children. Um, all of my training had to be done in the early morning before I went to work. And so most mornings would start anywhere from 3.30 to 4 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Go for multiple hours and then go to work and then come home and try and spend a little time with the family and the kids and then go, you know, go to bed. But that went on for months and months as I was training, trying to prepare for this. And I finally got to a place where I felt like I could do an Ironman. And so it came down to deciding which Ironman I wanted to race. Mm -hmm. and as some people probably know, there's many Ironmans out there. Anybody can sign up for one. So if you have a desire, pay your race fee and go sign up and you can go do an Ironman. It's that simple. But there was only one Ironman, I would say, that uh, was really, I would say, the big the big one, and that mm -hmm. is Kona, Hawaii. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is the Ironman World Championship. And so in that particular race, you can't get in that race. Mm -hmm. You have to qualify or get invited. And so I kind of ruled that thing out. But uh, I was familiar with that race because I'd seen the NBC broadcast they did every year about the Ironman in Kona. And so as I was training, I got a phone call from an individual and he said, Brady, you don't know me, and uh, but we have a few things in common. He said that I am an Ironman triathlete and I hear you're aspiring to be one. And he said, I also have a son that has Down syndrome and I happen to be the presenting sponsor of this year's Ironman World Championship in Kona. And I want to invite you to come to Kona and race in the Ironman World Championship. And I think we could get your story on NBC. And so that was a miracle because yeah. you know, how do you, how do you plan that? How do you say, I'm going to do an Ironman so <laughs> I can get on NBC, all these kids story. Like it just doesn't happen that way. But I learned very quickly that when we allow ourselves to get caught up in a cause bigger than ourselves, that we went to miracles. And that was definitely a miracle. Wow. I love that. And 
like what are the chances that that fellow also had a child with down syndrome so he obviously knew like how much that meant to you so that is so fantastic so have you done any other ironman since then because it's a lot of training involved to to do just one i've done yep i've done two full ironmans and maybe 10 or 11 half ironmans and i i i would say retired to to marathon running now <laughs> that's oh, what i enjoy doing more <laughs> Marathon a little bit less, a uh, little more sleep and a uh, little less training to be focused on marathons. Just the one discipline. Yes, I completely understand that. And uh, kudos to you for getting up at that ungodly hour of 3.30 or whatever, when most of us are fast asleep, you know, to to do something, like you said, you felt like you couldn't do it for you, but you could do it for these kids. And I think like that just says it all because that's definitely determination and motivation. So like amazing and congratulations on finishing an Ironman because that in itself is quite quite an accomplishment. <laughs> well done. Now, uh, I know that ROD stands for, as you said, running for orphans with Down syndrome. But you also help others find forever homes to also have other disabilities. So when when did this all start? Like when did Rod start and when did you find that you also needed to find these homes for these other kids as well? Yeah, so we advocated for children with Down syndrome for about a decade. We have just shy of 100 kids that we've been able to help find a loving home for during that time period. And uh, it was during that time that we actually got introduced to a contact in Columbia where we had been advocating for children before. And for 10 years, we'd never been able to go in country and actually meet the children that we were advocating for. If you could imagine, most countries aren't signing up to have Americans yeah. with cameras come to their country and go into their orphanages and yeah. foster homes to, to film their children. But we had the opportunity come about through this contact to be able to travel to Colombia, And as part of that agreement for us coming and, and filming their children that have Down syndrome with the purpose of us advocating to find them a family, we agreed to also do stories for the children that had other unique circumstances, other disabilities or sibling groups or even older children that were not oftentimes adopted. Mm -hmm. And it was there in Colombia that we honestly felt called to expand our vision and expand our mission to include individuals in addition to Down syndrome that have these other unique circumstances. And that's how that started is when we actually met these children in Colombia. So that's fairly recent because when were you in Colombia? I don't think it was we that long ago. just went to Colombia in July of okay. last year. Yeah. And so we went to Columbia in July and we went down there again in October. And it was on those trips where our vision for who we were advocating for expanded. Wow. Fantastic. Now, I've heard from people who I know who have done international adoptions that it's so incredibly expensive. You, can you maybe talk a little bit about why this is I, I like I often think it's a barrier to a lot of people who feel that they would like to adopt but just don't have the financial means to to do an international adoption and maybe you can talk a little bit about how you can help these families. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, when I first found out that international adoption on average is thirty to forty thousand dollars, my first question was, why in the world is that so much? Like, mm. it seems like it should be the other way around. Like, yeah, should be paying these families if they want to bring a child that has a, a, a disability like Down syndrome into their family. And uh, and the reality though is, as I've been in this space now for a long time, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very good thing. And the reason why is because a large part of that cost is going to be making sure that that family is prepared for adoption on an international level, adoption as a whole. So adoption as a whole is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And in fact, some of the most extreme challenges a family will face comes at the hand of adoption and international adoption. And so a large part of that cost is home studies, doctor's Mm -hmm. visits, psychological evaluations, just truly making sure and educating the family that they know what they're signing up for, that Mm -hmm. they're aware of the risks associated with this and and also the challenges that inherently come with adoption. And so that's a big part. And the second thing I would say is the travel. Oftentimes, people will need to travel and stay in country for an extended period of time or make multiple trips to the country, which is not cheap. So that's a large part of the cost as well. Mm -hmm. So now with rods, so what do you as an organization do? Like you find these children in these various orphanages and then do you help families kind of navigate the adoption process or? So we are, we are not an adoption agency and we really don't have any involvement in that process. Um, Mm -hmm. We have uh, families that will inquire about a particular child we're advocating for. And when we have that inquiry come in, we will then pass that information off to an adoption agency that we work with. And so we do definitely don't act as an adoption agency but we do advocate for children. And we also provide adoption grants for the children that we are advocating for. We call those our HEROES grants. Mm-hmm. And so these, uh, these grants go to help offset the costs of international adoption. And mm-hmm. it's really a bridge to be able to help those families take that leap of faith when they're feeling called to do so to adopt a child. Wow, fantastic. So. Can people out, like I'm in Canada, but like, so can people outside of the U.S. apply for one of your grants or do you have to be an American resident? That's a great question. I don't know if I've had an adoption grant request come in from outside of the United States, but I don't have any reservation on funding an adoption grant for any family that wants to adopt one of the children that we're advocating for. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we'll just have to to exchange it at the airport or something. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic to know because often, you know, different agencies, like it can only, it can only be the resident of that country and so on. So that's wonderful to hear that you obviously have some freedom to make those choices. So what are some of the different ways that people can support you? Like it obviously costs money to go to these orphanages and, you know, to highlight these children. So how can people support you? Yeah, absolutely. There's three ways that I would say. The first way is we recognize not everybody is in a place in their life where they would be in a position to adopt. 
-hmm. But what we are looking for and what we do believe everybody can be is what we'd refer to as an unstoppable advocate. And so we'd encourage people to become an unstoppable advocate. What that means is they support the cause. They share the kid's story. They're constantly looking for ways to be able to connect us or to connect others who may be able to adopt to the organization. Most of the children that we find homes for came by way of an introduction from an unstoppable advocate. Somebody that saw a post on Instagram and shared it on their Instagram. And, you know, it, it went to somebody that saw it and said, that's my kid. I want to adopt that kid or is able to introduce us to somebody that has a connection within the Down syndrome community that is able to open a door for us. That's how we got into Columbia, ironically enough, was through an unstoppable advocate. Wow. So first and foremost is I would encourage anybody listening to consider becoming an unstoppable advocate. I've got my unstoppable advocate t-shirt on underneath this, but I was a little yeah. cold, so I had to put my hoodie on. <laughs> Number two is consider donating. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody has been entrusted with a way to be able to donate, we would encourage you to consider Rod's Heroes as a donation. We are a 501c3 here in the United States. And so um, anybody who has a desire to donate, whether that's through a monthly contribution or a one-time contribution, we highly recommend that because it's with these donations that we are able to fund adoption grants and go back to these countries and meet these children. So it's all done through the, the contributions of our, our partners that way. And then the third thing and the last thing, the most important thing I would say is if you feel something in your heart about adoption, I would encourage you to explore that. I recognize that it is scary. Mm -hmm. I recognize from personal experience, it doesn't always make sense. It's not mm -hmm. always logical. And it's not a one plus one equals two equation. But if you've felt something in your heart towards adoption, there is a reason why you are feeling that. And if you will feed that and you will nurture that and you will take care of that feeling inside of your heart and explore that further, you will be amazed at what will transpire. And as I had shared before, when you allow yourself to get caught up in a cause bigger than yourself, you will witness miracles. That's fantastic. I love that. And like you said, anyone can be an unstoppable advocate, like anyone. So, and it doesn't cost anything. So that's, right. that's fantastic. Now you sort of touched on it, but like if someone is on your webpage or, you know, following you along on Instagram and they see a child that, you know, kind of touches their heart. So what should they do at that point? Do they contact you or, and then you sort of facilitate kind of, or direct them at that point? Like what happens at that point? Yeah, if, if there is a child, so I, I would put out there, we have an app. So if you go to any Apple or Android device and type in Rod Heroes in the app store, you'll see our app. Okay. And you would log in, create a profile, and you would have access to see all of the children that we're advocating for. It's close to 100 children right now that we're advocating for. And so if there's a child on there that that pulls at your heartstrings or you feel, uh, you feel like this may be a child that you would consider adopting, I'd encourage you to shoot us a direct message on Instagram or email us and inquire about those children. From there, we would make an introduction to the appropriate adoption agency that we'd be working with and we'll see where it goes from there. Fantastic. Now, you know, I, you mentioned that you were down in Columbia back in July and, and, and October. So not really that long ago and there were like so many lovely pictures and videos 
Like, how do you keep your heart in check for these kids? I, I think it must be so hard because I would think you would want to adopt all of them, but obviously you know that that's not possible. Like, how do you manage that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that was a little bit overwhelming mm-hmm. on this trip, not to the extent of it being sad because mm-hmm. it was actually a very happy and a very fulfilling experience, but I would say more so in relation to the responsibility that I felt placed on our shoulders after we left, because you see with these kids and most of these kids, this is their one shot. Like this is their shot to be able to get out of an orphanage and be able to get a family Mm -hmm. and, you know, the pictures and the content that we create for them, it's a big responsibility. And so that was definitely a real thing. But also I, I have found that, as I said, we see miracles when we allow things to transpire that are bigger than ourselves or get caught in that cause. Statistically speaking, less than 2% of these kids get adopted that we met. So we saw 43 children in July and statistically speaking, less than 2%. And I wrote, like, interestingly enough, in particular on those special needs cases, I bet it's more like 0.001% of those kids get adopted. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you have a 12 year old girl that has Down syndrome or a, you know, a 13 year old boy that has palsy or like those are some hard cases to adopt but we've seen miracles and since july we have 36 percent of those children that we met so far in july have families committed to adopting them and so you take it from a 0.001 percent chance and you take it to six months later a third of them have a family committed that just goes to show that this work matters and we are making a difference and we're not going to stop until we get every single one of those kids at home. Oh my gosh, that is making me tear up. That is amazing what you guys are doing. Like, like you said, these kids, they have one shot. Like that just, it breaks my heart to think that, yeah. but it's true. And, and we all know that the chances of kids with additional needs like Down syndrome or even cerebral palsy or anything else, their chances of getting adopted is so much less than a typical kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, like most people going into the adoption process are not looking for a child with Down syndrome. That's I mean, right. you did because you're a 12 year old with Down syndrome. Yeah. Right. right? But, and, you know, the, the example of that, I use that Celeste is her name. She's 12. And um, yeah, we got a family for her. We didn't need a 12 year old girl with Down syndrome and we've got a family committed to adopting her. That is true. That is just so wonderful and so amazing because I've read that uh, like these kids, they age out at 16, which seems just incredibly young. So, and then, you know, I'd heard you on Kenny Clutch's podcast and, you know, with COVID and there were some kids that were just about like to get placed and they were right on that line of aging out and then COVID hit. And so then what happens to these kids? Like what happens to these kids that are 17 with Down syndrome? Yeah, they, uh, they stay in the Institute for their rest of their life. And that's a tragedy. That's, that's a real tragedy, but you guys are doing amazing things to, to turn no, no, that no. around. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a perspective on the, the biggest tragedy of that in my mind 
I have found that so a lot of times people will come to Andrea and I and they'll say what what you've done for Cooper is so amazing Cooper's our little guy from China you help that child and and look at what he's accomplishing now and look at the great things that he's doing what a great blessing you've been to his life there's no question Cooper has benefited from being in a family Mm -hmm. but I will say without question that the biggest blessing that has been had is not Cooper getting a family. It's our family getting Cooper. And every one of my children would say that. And so the biggest tragedy that I would say is that, yes, it's horrible that the child grows up and becomes an adult in an institute. Mm -hmm. That's tragic. But the biggest tragedy is that that light and that joy that superpower that exists within that child mm-hmm. is not being experienced by a family and by a community and even by a nation because they're tucked away in a little orphanage in nowhere part of the world and not having the opportunity to allow that light to shine to their peers, their classmates, their family, etc. That's the biggest tragedy in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I totally agree with what you're saying, because I have said many times, like my daughter's my only child and, you know, that she's made me into the person that I was always meant to be. Like prior to her, I kept thinking, I just kept feeling there's got to be more to my life. Not sure what it is. And, you know, but now like having her, I, I can definitively say that that she made me into who I'm supposed to be. Yeah, that's right. That's how we feel as well, very much so. So how do you find these children? Like, is Rod sort of concentrated in one area? Like you said, you, through a contact, you got down into Columbia, or I'm assuming you kind of make contacts at these orphanages. But like you said, people probably aren't picking up the phone and saying, hey, we have another child with Down syndrome here. Yeah, so for the first decade, the lion's share of children that we were advocating for came from China. Mm-hmm. And the second largest country that we would have children that we would help advocate was Ukraine. Yeah. And so after COVID, China shut down. Mm-hmm. And that was 90% plus of our supply of children that we were advocating for. And then Ukraine had the war transpire with Russia and And that was the other 9% of the children that we were advocating for. And so in essence, our supply of children that we were being able to advocate for had been locked down and we were no longer able to advocate for them. And that's what caused us to begin expanding our vision on looking at other ways to be able to help. And that's actually when we were introduced to Columbia. And so you know, we try and make lemon lemonade out of out of lemons, and that was mm-hmm. definitely been some lemonade that we found in that beautiful country of Colombia. And we're cautiously optimistic that China will open back up, and as well as Ukraine, and mm-hmm. we can get back to work advocating for those kids. But until then, we're exploring other avenues and other options to be able to help find kids and 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 help these kids as best we can. So, are some countries? in more need than others in your experience or what you've yeah. found? Yeah. I mean, and I, I would put the U S at the top of the list. 
And so, and I don't, I don't know Canada's situation, but an area where I've spent a ton of time and am actively looking and trying to begin advocating and helping kids is in the U.S. And so it's a misnomer or a myth, I would say, that um, there's no orphans in the United States. That's just not the case. There's not orphanages, but we have foster care. Mm -hmm. And on any given year, there's over 400,000 children that are in foster care. And on any given year, you're going to find that 100,000 plus of those children will age out of mm -hmm. the system, reach age 18 and not be adopted, mm -hmm. not have a family. I've found statistics that have shown that one in five of those children that age out immediately become homeless. And so mm -hmm. that's a big deal. Like that's a big area where I want to focus on is not just international adoption, but really trying to advocate for kids that are here in the U.S. as well. Andrea and I have adopted through foster care and we're big advocates of foster care. So the, the need is everywhere in every country. Yes. And I'm well aware of the need here as well. I, I don't know the numbers. I do know of families who have, uh, adopted a child with down syndrome like in the u.s so you know like you said the need is everywhere we just don't maybe readily see it here because like you said we don't have orphanages you can't just go drive up to the orphanage orphanage but we have lots and lots of kids in foster care who who also need you know yep. a forever family and especially those kids with down syndrome or additional needs because they're yep. It's going to be harder to place, but right. like you said, if someone can find it in their heart to, to be that forever family for that child, you know, it's a possibility. That's right. Now, well, like some, some insights around that based off of statistics, based off of surveys, the percentage of families, and these are in the United States, percentage of families that have expressed interest in adoption. Mm -hmm. so if you take that percentage of families that have expressed interest in adoption, it would solve every single one of our issues in the U.S. and in Canada. There are enough families who are, who are showing interest in adopting that we could have a home for every single child that is here in the United States that is in foster care right now. But there's a gap that exists. There's a gap between a family that says, I show interest or I would be open to considering adoption and those families that actually move forward. And so that's mm -hmm. a large part of our work is to inspire families to answer the call, to be able to adopt a child that has, whether that's a special or a unique ability, mm -hmm. unique circumstances, or a typical kid. Um, there's plenty of families out there. We just need those families to rise up and answer that call. Yes. Yes, that we do. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> You know, I know the name of your organization is Rod's Heroes, and I've heard you talk a few times about that heroes wear capes, but in your mind, who are the real heroes here and who gets a cape? Well, you think of the example that I shared with Cooper, mm -hmm. the real heroes are these children. Yeah. Uh, inside each one of us exists a divine potential, a unique ability, if you may. Inside every single child in the world exists potential mm -hmm. and opportunity to be able to influence for the good. And when a child is without a family, yeah. 
tucked away in an orphanage in my mind and what, from what my experience is it's very similar to a superhero that doesn't have a cape and so when families are able to answer the call to adopt a child it truly is giving a superhero their cape now are these individuals going to go out and be the next president of the united states possibly but most likely not most likely they're going to have challenges just like the rest of us mm -hmm. What I do know is that these children, when placed inside of a loving home, do better than yeah. when they are in an orphanage, have the ability to sing the song they are meant to sing mm -hmm. at a much better pace than when they're tucked away in an orphanage somewhere. Yes, 100%. I, I love how you put it, to sing the song that they're meant to sing, you know, because they just don't get that chance when... No they're in an orphanage, someone just has to give them that chance and that hope to yep. do that. Oh my gosh. Now, I know that not everyone quite has the ability to adopt for whatever reason, but at the same time, they want to help these kids. And I saw on your Instagram, something that I thought was really interesting about you looking for host families. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what that's about? Yeah, with Columbia, we were able to work out a way for families. This is just here in the in Utah right now mm -hmm. for families that have a desire to potentially adopt. They just aren't sure. Mm -hmm. We have a program that will allow a child in Columbia to come to Utah for three weeks this summer, stay mm -hmm. with a family, and give the opportunity for that child to experience a new culture experience life in a family and also an opportunity for that family to experience what it might be like if they did adopt a child. Statistics show that 90% plus, it's actually 92% of children that come to the United States for hosting actually end up getting adopted. And so we're very motivated to find as many families that have interest in hosting mm -hmm. and talk to them about being a host family this summer. You have to live in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the catch. That's the catch. Well, that might change, but that's fantastic. So I was wondering how that worked. And I thought that gives people the opportunity to see if this is a good fit for them. And also what a wonderful opportunity for that child that may not otherwise have that opportunity. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. I'm going to share one, one parting thought. We've talked about international adoption. We've talked some about foster care. Mm -hmm. The vision and the mission of Rod's Heroes and what I am working and consecrating my entire life to is this, that families keep children, that families have the resources, the help, whatever it may be, the programs to be able to help them to keep their child, mm -hmm. that they are able to make it work by keeping their child. That's the first and foremost. That's our biggest mission. Second of that is that if a family is not able to care for that child, a mother and a father is not able to care for that child, that somebody within their extended family or their extended community would take that child. Mm -hmm. Our goal would be that that child is adopted or goes to be cared for in their own town or in their own city or in their own country, yeah. that they get to stay in their community, that they get to have the same cultural experience that they were born with, that they get to grow up with that cultural experience, 
That would be our secondary goal. And only third, only when the first two goals are not available, would we explore and look at international adoption? Because again, the overriding principle being children, every child deserves to be raised in a loving home. And that's the hierarchy of how I would hope that that would transpire. And that's really the ultimate vision of our, of our mission. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Wow. Like, I love this story about what you guys are doing and you know, your reasons behind it. Now you're quite active on Instagram with lots of wonderful pictures and videos and stories of these beautiful children looking for their forever homes. So where can people find you? How can they contact you? Where can people follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on our website, rods.org. Mm-hmm. You can find us on our Instagram handle at rods heroes, R O D S heroes. And then my personal Instagram is Brady Murray 21. Very simple. We're very active on all channels. And the 21 for obvious reasons. <laughs> That's right. You know it well. <laughs> I know it well. Yes. And just as a little side note, you also have a podcast. Did you want to share a I little do. bit about that? Yes. My wife and I uh, created a podcast. We're actually close. I think we're on our 49th episode. Good it's job. called Seek Miracle Podcast. And it's a little bit of everything. Adoption, Down syndrome, and our journey in the special abilities in the adoption space. It's pretty rowdy to raise all these kids and it's going to get even more rowdy as we get our other children home. So I'm sure we'll have some fun stories to share. Oh, I'm sure you will. And so I look forward to seeing those on Instagram. Brady, I really want to thank you so much for sharing such a, a powerful and moving story and your organization. I, Cause I think more people need to know what you guys are doing and how they can help you. And like you said, just spread the word, you know, become an unstoppable advocate. I love that, you know, that, that is amazing. And, you know, and that people can also donate. I remember one lady told me when she gave me a rather large donation for um, my fundraising efforts for our, our local Down syndrome organization, she said, giving money is easy. So, you know, hopefully lots of people can find that in their hearts to, to do that, you know, to help you. And to help you find these kids, their, their forever homes. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day with your six kids. Yeah. <laughs> glad to be here. This is a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much, Brady. What an amazing organization. I just love what Brady and Rod's heroes are doing. Go and find them on Instagram, follow them, like their posts, share so that more people can be aware of what they're doing and, you know, maybe they can find it in their heart to adopt, or you can at the very least be an unstoppable advocate because it doesn't cost you anything. So these are my takeaways from today's episode. As I'm sure many of you are aware, you know, especially in developing countries, you know, often when a child is born with Down syndrome or a disability, they're immediately placed for adoption or even worse, abandoned. You know, that just breaks my heart to hear stories of kids being left at bus stops. I mean, obviously in hopes that somebody will find them, but how heartbreaking for everyone involved. I'm sure it's heartbreaking for the parent, but also, you know, for the child that 
they're just being left there. It's, it's, it's such a tragedy. Number two, I liked what Brady said. He said, I knew I couldn't do it for myself, but I felt like I could probably do it for the kids. And I think we all kind of can take that, you know, this journey, it's, it's hard and at times a little daunting, but you know, we do it for our kids because they are so deserving. And you know, what he also said about how it just kind of imploded, like, you know, he decides he's going to go run an Ironman and just how luck would have it that all these things started happening, that someone contacted him so he could get into the Kona Ironman, which is the Ironman of Ironmans. And he got covered on NBC and just how their story got out. I think it is just amazing. Like just let the miracles happen. Number three, that, as I said, become an unstoppable advocate. It doesn't cost you anything. Everyone can do that. And that helps to get the word out. Let's get people know, knowing who Rod's Heroes is, like what they do. And, you know, because I think it's important, you know, we, we all see the worth in our kids. Number four, and I love this, you know, as Brady said, when you allow yourself to get caught up in a cause bigger than yourself, you'll witness miracles, just like what happened, you know, when he was training for his Ironman. And I think we can all you know, relate to that. And to some degree is just, you know, let it happen, you know, and you just never know what, what might happen. And number five, I just, when Brady said this, it just really made it really real for me that for a lot of these kids, when they go and, you know, visit them and, you know, kind of highlight them and share their story that this is their one shot. This is their one shot at hopefully finding a family. And when he said that, it just really, it really touched my heart. I just, I never really thought of it that way, but it's, it's so true. And imagine what that must feel like, you know, for these kids thinking this is, this is my shot of getting out of here, you know, and how important that is. And, you know, and number six, how he said, how Brady said that his son Cooper has been the biggest blessing that has, it's not been that Cooper getting a family, but it's his family getting Cooper. And I know I can say that for myself about my daughter, you know, she's not adopted, but she's been the biggest blessing of my life. She has made me into the person that I was always meant to be. And, and I hear things like this all the time. And, you know, and I think that's why it's important that we need to shout the worth of our kids because they are so deserving. And number seven is, you know, what Brady said is that he, he says, I do know that what I do know is that these children, when placed inside a loving home, they do better than when they were in an orphanage and having the ability to sing the song they're meant to sing. How true is that? Nobody wants to see kids in orphanages and as Brady said, you know, statistically speaking, without any, you know, kind of uh, support for these kids, like getting their names out there, most of these kids with Down syndrome or other disabilities 
don't get adopted. They just languish in the orphanage. And that is just so heartbreaking. And then at age 16, they just age out. It's terrible. It's terrible. But, you know, these kids, they need a home. And maybe if you can find it in your heart to maybe take on that role of adopting, or perhaps, you know, you know, somebody who might, who might want to do that, or just sharing their story, again, being an unstoppable advocate, so that we can help find these kids, their forever, forever homes. And finally, when families are able to answer the call to adopt a child, it's truly giving a superhero, that child, their cape, and their ability to fly and their ability to flourish, and to live a full and wonderful life. So as I said, please go to their Instagram page, Rod's Heroes. We'll, we'll put a, a link in the show notes, you know, follow them, see what they're doing. It's amazing. And the stories are just beautiful and so heartwarming. I just, I really love it. And, you know, share the stories, you know, so that we can find these kids their forever home. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at, through email at uh, info at t21mom.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at trisomy21mama. Tell me your stories. What's going on in your life? What's important to you? What do you want to hear on the podcast? Let me know because I would love to hear from you. And as always, it would really mean a lot if you would like and subscribe. And if you leave a little review, it helps us to be more searchable to others in the Down syndrome community. So keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and we'll see you next time. <laughs>